Is Secret Invasion's big twist a red herring? Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Dan Casey, and today we're gonna to talk all about the latest episode of Secret Invasion. Episode three, titled Betrayed, marks the halfway point of this six-episode spy thriller. It both confirmed some major theories and offered up some shocking twists that might not be what they seem at first glance. We're gonna break it all down for you in just a moment, including any Easter eggs and hidden details that you might have missed. But to do so, we have to spoil what happens in Secret Invasion episode three. So if you haven't seen it yet and you're worried about that sort of thing, go make yourself some eggs. Easter or poached. Those eggs supposed to be soft or hard-boiled? Poached? Okay, let's get into it, shall we? As the title of this episode suggests, Secret Invasion's third chapter is full of betrayals of all shapes and sizes. The most obvious betrayal refers to Gaia, who's actively funneling information about Gravik's terrorist plots to her dad, Talos. Now, much of this episode focuses on their hunt for the Green October, which has seemingly deadly consequences for Gaia, but more on that in just a bit. What is it? <clears throat> What's happened? The title also refers to how Gravik and many of the other scrolls feel betrayed by Talos, because Talos failed to secure them the new planet promised to them 30 years ago by Nick Fury and Carol Danvers. It also refers to how Talos feels betrayed by Nick Fury himself, especially in the wake of the blip. And oh, it's too heavy here, man. I gotta go up to my space station. You've been up there for years! And Nick Fury's friendship with Talos wasn't the only personal relationship that he nuked from orbit. Nick's wife Priscilla, or Scylla for short, is actually a Skrull, as we learned in the tale of last episode. Her actual name is Vara, and she was part of Fury's personal retinue of Skrull spies and agents since at least 1998. When they first fell in love, she was helping him track down information on Drakov. You may remember Drakov as the villain of Black Widow. He was the Soviet military officer turned overseer of the Red Room, turned pair of glasses flying through the air. Interestingly enough, Vara does have a comic book counterpart. She was a Skrull Kree hybrid, was a member of the supergroup known as the Knights of the Infinite, which is a pretty cool name. She originally appeared in 2015's New Avengers number three, but it seems like here they mostly just used her name and ditched the backstory. Now, Priscilla is rightfully furious with her husband for dropping by to screw up some eggs when he's been conspicuously absent for so long since the blip. Not just physically absent, but emotionally absent too. And even more galling is Fury questioning her loyalty. Both here and in his subsequent conversation with Talos, we see just how reluctant Fury really is to give the Skrulls even a modicum of credit for his rise through the ranks at S.H.I.E.L.D. But as we see by the episode's end, he might be right not to fully trust his wife here, because when Priscilla was first revealed in the final moments of episode two, many fans were wondering if he knew whether or not she was a Skrull. Well, the answer is yes, obviously he does. But Priscilla has a line when she dresses Nick down a bit that stands out. She says, so if you're interested in who I became in your second absence, I became me, the me I was before you. The me that Priscilla was before Nick Fury was Vara, and it certainly looks like that Vara was the one to introduce a young Gravik to Nick Fury in one of the episode two flashbacks. When Fury asks if she's been in touch with Gravik while he was gone, Priscilla seems a bit evasive. And that mysterious phone call she gets during that scene pays off in the episode's final moments. She pays a visit to a safety deposit box containing a gun. Then the phone rings again with an unseen speaker on the other end. Priscilla slash Vara says that she needs to speak with Gravik, but the voice on the other end says it's not possible. We're gonna get to the significance of this shocking voice in just a moment. This scene raises some important questions. Is she actually still Nick Fury's partner, both in crime and in life? Did she get Gravik pill while Nick was away the second time? 
Or has this been a long con by the Skrulls to keep close tabs on Nick Fury by having one of their elite intelligence agents stay close to one of Earth's most secretive spy masters? Or is Vara going to go ask Gravik some important questions of her own, presumably at gunpoint? It's a messier situation than Talos' British breakfast, and it's about to be made even messier by what the secret invasion writers are cooking up. I just lost my appetite. Because that voice on the other end of the phone belongs to none other than James Rhodes. I'm like, boom, you looking for this? Now, this isn't quite 100% confirmation that Rhodey's a scroll, but it's pretty damn close. Look, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Let's move on. One of the biggest pieces of evidence was a seemingly offhanded comment this episode. Fury tells the Skrull impersonating Commodore Robert Bob Fairbanks that nobody calls me Nick. Nobody calls me Nick, Bob. This is something he feels very strongly about, especially if you remember his line back in Captain Marvel. Everybody calls me Fury. Not Nicholas, not Joseph, not Nick. Really, Nick? You sure about that? If you really knew Nick Fury, you know that's not true. Now, of course, as some fans have pointed out, several characters have called Fury just a simple Nick over the years. I'm sorry, Nick. Don't do this to me, Nick. Nick. It's all Nick. Nick. And what do all these people that just call him Nick have in common? That's right, they're all dead. And that is bad news bears for Rhodey, or at least the scroll impersonating him. And I say impersonating because tellingly, who called Fury Nick in the previous episode? That's right, it was Rhodey. That's what this moment right here, right now is about Nick. The Avenger, also known as War Machine, has been a top candidate in our ongoing scroll watch, and that's due to the fact that he's one of the only superheroes in this show. Plus, his proximity to the President, his access to Stark tech, and his intimate knowledge of the Avengers makes him the perfect person to impersonate. Boom. You looking for this? And yes, look, I understand, impersonating someone's voice over the phone is like scroll espionage 101, but having someone as highly placed as Rhodey being a secret scroll makes a ton of sense, because not only does this set up a clear path to the misuse of Stark Industries tech that will play out in Armor Wars, but it also plays into one of the episode's other reveals, a confirmation that Graphic and company are in fact making super scrolls at their facility in New Skrullos. Now, last week we saw they have a DNA database of superhero DNA, which included some familiar entries. It contained samples from Groot, a frost beast from Jotunheim, Call Obsidian from Thanos' Black Order, and someone injected with Extremis from Iron Man 3. Now, trailers have already revealed Gravik extending his arm in an extremely Groot-like manner, but this episode revealed that he likely already has the full suite of powers in their database. When Talos stabs Gravik's hand during their heated conversation at the London Portrait Gallery, Gravik's wounds heal almost instantaneously. That orange glow is a hallmark of Extremis, the nanotech from Iron Man 3, which grants its users both an advanced healing factor and a higher-than-average likelihood of exploding with weird sound effects. <laughs> So it stands to reason that Gravik likely has whatever abilities and strengths might be conferred by Cull Obsidian and the Frost Beast DNA as well. But the real question is, is Gravik the only Super Scroll in the Resistance's ranks thus far? Well, we don't think so. In fact, we think that Gaia might already be a Super Scroll as well. The episode's finale culminates with Gravik shooting Gaia and leaving her for dead in the woods. He's confirmed that she was, in fact, the spy. I'm the spy. I'm the spy. <laughs> It's all I could think of when I wrote that. I'm the spy. In fact, the whole nuclear submarine ploy kind of seems like an elaborate trap just to confirm that Gaia was the one feeding Fury and company information. Either way, this would work in Gravik's favor, except now he might have made a powerful enemy, one who knows the inner workings of his organization. 
Unless they're intentionally psyching us out here, the trailers confirm that Gaia does in fact survive this gunshot. Maybe she just morphed back into scroll form to fake her death, or maybe she already gained extremis powers as well. One trailer shot in particular seems to showcase Gaia gaining super scroll powers. Another shot shows her back to back with Vara facing off against enemies. It just goes to show that nothing is as it seems on Secret Invasion. There are definitely more twists, turns, and double crosses to come. Now, of course, we could be wrong. Maybe Gaia really is dead. And if so, who could that be in the additional scenes with Amelia Clark? Well, perhaps it's the person that Gaia has been impersonating all this time. Maybe they woke up from their fracking pot in the wake of Gaia's death. Rumors about this series claim that she could be Abigail Brand, an agent of S.W.O.R.D. in the comics. Now I say in the comics because there, S.W.O.R.D. is more of a spacefaring counterpart to S.H.I.E.L.D. rather than a government agency on WandaVision trying to rebuild the Vision. Now, as with everything, only time will tell, but for now it seems that Secret Invasion's biggest twists definitely are not what they seem. These sins of the past are definitely coming back to haunt Nick Fury in every aspect of his life, but he might not have to fight this war entirely on his own. In the meantime, our scroll watch continues unabated. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That's everything you might have missed in Secret Invasion Episode 3. Things are going to heat up awfully quickly, and it seems like next week might be that attack on President Ritson that was featured in the trailers. And something tells us Nick Fury's going to take the blame for it. Oh, that's the first. We'll have even more deep dives into this episode and the rest of the show over on Nerdist, but for now, tell us, what did you think of this episode? Did you spot anything that we missed? And what are your biggest questions? You know what? I, I don't get the whole dog thing. Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com.